just the feeling was just out of this world just overcoming fear learning a new skill like having something to show for it as well right we all have ideas in our heads but being able to actually synthesize and put together your ideas um and then present them to people is a really powerful powerful tool um so it felt and still feels just i'm always kind of in awe of myself because I'm like, oh, you've got, you know, a mind and hands and this is what they're making. Like, you're actually amazing. Welcome to Artwork. This is a podcast and a collaborative project about exploring creativity in all kinds of practices. The show is made up by a list of contributors who myself and Louisa, my co-host, have found <laughs> our artist friends that we've that have been willing enough to give us their email addresses and let us pester them with questions before each episode so we send out a list of questions and prompts before each episode and receive answers from them in voice note format which we then discuss and consider on air and you'll hear during the rest of this episode you can help us expand this circle of contributors if you want to um there'll be more details about about that through the episode so Perhaps as you listen, you can decide if you want to get involved. We'd love if you did. There's more details on the website if you want to go straight away. But probably best to listen to it first, know what you're getting into, you know. Anyway, this first show is about beginnings. Um, it's a tricky thing to pinpoint in, in artwork, but every project begins somewhere. And with this being the first show, I thought it was an opportunity to explore that further. So, so the questions for this episode were about beginnings, about firsts, about the feeling of starting something trying to explore that idea as far as we can and maybe get to the bottom of it it being our first episode we're a little bit rusty um there were some embarrassing audio problems which will be fixed in time for the next episode um equally the length of the episode is a little longer than we thought so we're gonna work on that for the next one just by asking fewer questions um make trying to make it a more punchy concise thing other than that, it was a good discussion. I think we got some good things out there. Um, found some found some interesting ideas. Heard some great stories and and um, recollections from our contributors. I hope it can help you develop any ideas you've got going on, um, or give you the impetus to start something where you haven't yet yet been the operative word. There'll be another mini intro where we cover some more things here because we recorded this two weeks ago, me and Louisa in the Express Radio studio, but like I say, we're just beginning, so go easy on us. Equally, we'd love feedback, so any good, honest feedback you've got, what you liked about the show, what you didn't like, what you want us to hear more of or hear less of, um, yeah, let us know. There's a contact on our website, which you can check out now in the description, or you can leave it till the end of the show. We'll remind you again. And that's about it. Hope you enjoy. Hello, um, welcome to Artwork. This is a podcast about creativity, um, hosted by myself, Rowan, and... Louisa. Louisa. <laughs> um, we're both creative creative people um i do music myself and a little bit of photography and a little bit of whatever comes my way really and yourself yeah and i mainly do photography and i write too and i try to mix both mediums together photography and writing yeah awesome (laughs) 
and we act as the hosts for this show, but the show is mostly about our contributors. So we, we've got a bunch of arty friends, luckily, and we sent out messages asking them if they'd be interested in getting involved. And so from that, we got a, a whole bunch of people who were willing to send in some responses to a bunch of questions we'd asked them. So each week we send out about 10 questions for each episode on a specific topic. And this week is about beginnings. So we're covering the start of a project or the start of becoming an artist. And Yeah, the main reason why... Well, Rowan invited me to this. I'm more of a collaborator, really. Sure. It's his project. <laughs> well, he said, yeah. But I, from what I understand, the reason why he wanted to start this is to get more insight into like the process behind the art because normally as audiences, we tend to see the finished piece mm. and we don't know what happens in between or what happens before. And we just wanted to give like a space to talk about these things that just most artists maybe don't share or yeah. they don't have a space to share. So we just wanted to give them this space. Yeah, so it's for it's for artists to learn about other art forms, and it's for, well, people who don't call themselves artists, but I think everyone is creative yeah. in in some way, and even just conversation or telling a story about something that happened last week is is an art in itself, you could say, and I would say. So, I think everyone everyone can find something interesting in this podcast, and from all the great responses that we've got. So, without further ado, the first question that I asked was, do you keep a notebook? And I said, how do you shape your ideas from their conception to actuality? Um, I wrote this one because I read a quote somewhere saying, um, people who keep a notebook never run out of ideas. And I thought that was an interesting idea. That, to me, it was interesting that there are people who don't keep notebooks because mm. I thought, <laughs> how do you do it? How do you keep anything? My brain isn't that attentive but some people can can think of something and they get going with it straight away basically and i think that depends on what kind of art form you work in whether you can do things immediately or not um but yeah that's that's why i asked it and what did you what did you think of that one um i always kept the notebook really since mm. i was really young just initially i think it was just because i loved the idea of having a notebook for myself yeah. and just having it to write things down i have a big collection of notebooks that i kept throughout my um high school and college because mm -hmm. i it was like you know like we all go through that phase i was like edgy trying yeah. to <laughs> and it was i remember myself just drawing in the back of the room and just nice. writing stuff so i keep all of them i, I don't throw them away because i like to like revisit yeah i was uh, now I'm a bit more messy, actually, because I don't keep a single notebook. I keep, like, several ones for different things, but there's not really a logic to it. No. Um, I just keep a big stack of notebooks in my room, and sometimes I just grab one, and then I'm like, oh, I shouldn't grab this one, because I just, like, started yeah. another one, like, last week. But I think that's part of the creative process itself, because so. you just, like, change yeah. from one notebook to the other. And, and maybe you figure out that there was a pattern between which notebook you picked you didn't know yeah, at the time exactly. but eventually they'll fit together yeah yeah okay what about so, you um i do i keep a notebook and i i keep one at a time roughly which yeah doesn't resonate with what people have said in the responses um so i'm thinking maybe i should get some more but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but i yeah i just get rattled through one at a time and yeah fill it with whatever so there's shopping lists next to like 
quotes I've, yeah. I've read in a book or something. So, yeah, it's a bit of a mess, and I think it's a bit of a mess for everyone. <laughs> um, but, yeah, this is the first response I'm going to play for you is from Almas Badat, who is, I'd say, like a Renaissance woman. I found her after she did a music video for Frisco and followed her Instagram and saw that she was doing all sorts of things. And actually, she came to Cardiff a month ago to do a interfaith LGBT plus panel and so I followed her after that and um, got got a DM and we're yeah very grateful that she responded to all of these so thank you Almas and after that we're going to play the next people's responses and we'll introduce you to them afterwards so this is what she had to say so someone once wrote that people who keep a notebook never run out of ideas do you keep a notebook and how do you shape your ideas from their conception to actuality Oh man. Um, okay. I so I have several notebooks and I pick them up and then forget about them and then pick them up again. So I have about three or four notebooks on the go. I also have notes in my iPhone. Um, that's about as organized as I get. And I would love to say that I have categories and folders and different spaces for different ideas. But the rate at which I have ideas are so fast that um, I can't just write them down. So uh, I should probably get better at this. And some of my friends have really organised notes. They use Evernotes as well. But I'm a lot more um, slapdash. And then answering, how do you shape your ideas from the conception to actuality? Recently, I was given... um, a brief to create a music video so what I did was I um, listened to the track for about a week and had my notes open and for that whole time I was just writing any or I just wrote any visual um, ideas that came to mind in my iPhone notes and then um, I kept on whittling them down so I revisited them And slowly, from about a list of 20 ideas, 20 sort of film concepts, they became five. And then those five that were most feasible um, were fleshed out in note form, still in notes. And then I created a deck, which I eventually sent over to the client. The deck had links and images and a mood board, so a lot more detail and a narrative. And then... I revised that deck again one more time in more detail and then we went into production. Firstly, I do keep a notebook. It's for um, mainly for sketching out ideas and sort of doodling in and some, in those doodles I might sort of find something that I want to explore more. Um, I also write quite a lot of in, quite a lot in there so I think a lot of my work does come from that sort of writing as well. It's it's not very interesting writing, I'm sure, for someone who other than me, but um, that's a lot of where my work comes from. Okay, so that was Almas's response first, and then Jem, who you know, Louisa? Um, it's a kind of a funny story, because I don't uh-huh. think we actually ever talked in person. Yeah. Basically, he was in my accommodation in first year, uh-huh. and he was one of the first pers- people I followed uh, in Instagram, and I really liked his art right yeah. away. Uh, but then we really never got the chance to talk, which is really <laughs> random. But then when Rowan invited me to the show, he, he was one of the first people I thought that would be interested in joining. Yeah. And he's a really good friend of my housemate. So, yeah. 
Yeah, the the portfolio center is really interesting. It's, it's very different to a lot of things I've seen, and that's yeah. why I'd never seen anything like those things. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, we'll we be linking everyone's profiles. Of course, anyway. of course. Yeah, cool. there's a the show notes will be full of all the links to people's profiles, and we have a website that will be launched in tandem with the podcast going out, which have everyone's links on, and soon some contributed articles from our contributors. Yeah, another thing I wanted to talk about was Almas talking about the deck yeah. um, and I'd never even heard of that before that you can like just put notes together and send them to the people you're working for and I think that would be I envy that position where you could just have ideas and the person that is employing yeah. you will listen to just rough ideas I think I've been having like a s kind of similar situation at the moment uh, it's different because uh, the current like visual project I'm working in is, is like I like to call it a collaboration because it's mm. It is, um, I'm doing the artwork for a friend's uh, EP. And the thing that has worked really well, and I think it's been beneficial for both of us, is that we literally like met up and sat together designing it and yeah. doing it together. So I think it, it links to what she said because it, it's all about trying to come up with ideas together and write them down yeah. and then like transforming it into something. So, yeah, yeah, I, I think I can relate with that. Uh, yeah, notebook's definitely good for that first part just to get it down. But then, yeah, yeah you, it needs to become something else. It can't just stay in the notebook. Okay, so second question I went to was, when did you realize you wanted to make art for the rest of your life? Was there ever a moment when you decided to take yourself seriously as an artist? That's in quote marks, because I find it a kind of funny phrase is... It's um, the title of a song by Fat White Family, that I, where I heard it. And um, they said, now that I'm taking myself seriously as an artist. And it's kind of, I think it's like a jokey song, but I thought it's a funny idea. And I wanted to hear what other people um, had to say about that, that feeling of becoming an artist, or was it always there and you just realised? So what did you think of that one? Well, um... My mom was a writer, so I think I always had like a very close relationship with art through her. Mm. So I remember like w when I was little, I would just try to, even when I didn't know how to write, yeah. I would just sit down with a notebook and scribble, pretending I was writing yeah. ideas. So like I think like being a writer has always been a part of me. I always that I always knew that's what I wanted to do. However, like considering myself an artist, I I think that just came with maturity because it's such a complex con like concept that you just cannot really grasp it until you're a bit older. Yeah. But I think it it just started when like I naturally just started doing like art things and yeah. just I got really drawn towards doing that and I suddenly realized oh well this is what I want to do with the rest like the rest of my life and that became very very obvious with photography. Because yeah. when I got my first camera and everything, I just realized, like, well, this is my thing, and I love this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good point you make about it. You, you just do it first. You don't think about, oh, I'm an artist now. Yeah, I'm yeah. an artist. You just do it, and you, you have the impulses to, to make things or to scribble. Um, yeah, so that's, that's why I guess it's kind of the scornful title, now that I'm taking myself seriously as an artist, because you just do it. If you're an artist, you just keep doing it. There's a James Bolden quote I wanted to read out, and he's one of my absolute favorites. He said, the terrible thing about being a writer is that you don't 
decide to become one, you discover that you are one. And I think that echoes what we were saying. Mm -hmm. Not to say that we're as clever as James Baldwin, but <laughs> he's, he's right, I think. <laughs> and yeah, so let's, let's hear what responses we got for that one. We're going with Almas first again, alphabetical order. When did you realise you wanted to make art for the rest of your life? In terms of art, I don't ever remember being it a conscious decision. It felt like it was very much part of a mode of expression. It's kind of like the same... Well, for me, and coming out, I never sort of one day realised, I just always liked people of different genders. So it wasn't like a day that I realised, the same way that with my art, I didn't sim sim simply just realise. What I did realise was that I was earning money from it. That's when I was like, huh? This thing that I like to do, or I'm just messing around with taking pictures and I'm getting paid for it, that is wild. Um, so that was really the transition as opposed to my re in inward realisation. I've only really come to think of myself seriously as an artist relatively recently. I've always wanted to work in a creative profession, but I think um, the decision to really focus more on art and over, like, say, what I'm doing now, which is architecture, I think that's only a relatively recent um, development. I think the second that I was out of the womb, um, I realised that I wanted to make something for the rest of my life. <laughs> both of my parents went through really great art schools and have both been successful in their practices and have always facilitated and come to represent the idea that regardless of background, um, ideas can materialise and your audience will find you. I think some of my earliest memories are of being propped up on radiators by my parents' friends at exhibition openings. So I didn't really know any other lifestyle, as it were. Uh, but in terms of when I began to take my practice as a writer and myself seriously, it was an amalgamation of two factors. Firstly, it was entering my 20s. I realised that I had to uphold a certain degree of belief in my work if I wanted to fight the stigma of female voices and male voices to an extent not being taken seriously or prioritised in the world of writing and indeed academia until the writers are in their 40s or older. Secondly, after working different odd jobs to keep afloat, I found that I only really wanted to work for myself and again, I'd need that unwavering confidence in my ability to do that if I wanted that situation to actualise itself. Um, of course, this is still a work in progress. Okay, so there we had uh, Ronnie talking for the first time, and that's another of your, your yeah. contacts. So I met Ronnie through one of my English literature models, the creative writing model, actually. We did the same two this semester. One uh, narrative nonfiction, and the second one microfiction. And it, it was funny because I, like, since I saw her, like, the first time, I was like, oh, this girl seems cool. I want to approach her. <laughs> but we didn't really approach each other until literally, like, two weeks ago like we right. actually went out for coffee like, nice. and we just got along really well and 
I'm happy that I did. I'm seeing a pattern here of Jem and Ronnie. Yeah, I, I used to have artist friends <laughs> yeah. that are there, but not really. I'm I think, this, no, I have the same. I think you just kind of admire people from afar. Yeah. You're like, you're doing your thing. Just, I'll leave I you like to it. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's kind of why I set this show up, so I can like actually talk to people yeah. about these things. Because I've got artist friends, but we just, if I see them and I know them better, then we don't talk about that a lot. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to tease it out of people. And, yeah, I found her her response really interesting her talking about um yeah kind of a responsibility of becoming a voice for women and women her age yeah i think that one of the things that she brings forward that i think is very relevant to bring up is that a lot of people assume that the artist profession is not something to be taken seriously mm -hmm. like I feel like there is this passing assumption that because you're an artist, you don't really have to do anything. You just do art for fun. And it's not like that. It is no. a profession for most of us. And it is something that we have to plan ahead, that we have to like take seriously. Yeah. And just, yeah, I don't know if it, it's the same. I don't think it's the same in the UK in general, but in Mexico at least, it's still very much like a, a profession that you do on the side. Yeah. Not that you, something that you dedicate your entire time to. And I think that's really sad because I really want to dedicate my entire <laughs> time to this. Yeah. yeah, I think that relates to what Almas was saying as well about it was when she realized that she can make money from this. That's when you realize you can do it your whole life. Yeah. Lots of people will have that impulse to be creative and do artistic things. But it, the, the possibility is kind of thrown out the window if you don't have like people have mentioned as well, the, the family that supports that, mm -hmm. um, a family of artists. And, yeah, to, to know that you can, there's, there's opportunities to make money from it too. Yeah, another thing I wanted to pick was about Ronnie saying working for yourself, you, that she had to build the, the self-confidence to work for herself. And I thought that's a, yeah. a big journey to go on, but one that, yeah, is definitely part of becoming an artist yeah and I think also one of the things that Jem uh, mentioned too was um, choosing a career mm. like because I think a lot of people are scared to actually choose a career that is like artistic in some way and for me it was I think that was the reason why I chose English and journalism because I felt like journalism right. was, was more like a safe choice and yeah. English like writing was like what I really like to do but I think it when you commit your life and your career to the art you're gonna do is mm. a big big step towards taking yourself seriously yeah for sure um I just realized I've been forgetting to read out someone's answers so we had Sophie Mahadevan too who submitted some text responses via email so i'm going to recap on her first response and maybe clip that in so she said to the question about notebooks and how do you shape your ideas she said i rarely i rarely i rarely roughly sketch ideas excuse me i'm kind of an all or nothing sort of person so either get formed into finished ideas or they're just discarded at the very beginning on the odd occasion I revisit pieces of work, I tend to redraw it in an entirely different way, viewing it from a different angle. So, sorry to, to mess around the order there. Yeah, so that's a kind of a different attitude. She's kind of mm -hmm. ruthless, I think, with her ideas. And that's probably a useful skill to have when you can quickly judge what's good and what's not. Yeah. yeah. 
I think that relates really well with photography because mm. I don't really plan my photos. Most of the time I just go out and they happen. Yeah. So I think that's that's the process in a way. It's the same way as what she mentions. It's just yeah. like if the photo works, it works. If it doesn't. I guess with photography, it's like looking down a viewfinder. You're kind of sketching ideas so you yeah. don't actually have to take any pictures. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but once you find something worth, you go with it. Yeah. Um, and so for Sophie's second answer, I haven't introduced her, my bad. Um, she's an illustrator and um, she does tattoo work, which I find incredible. Um, she's got some pictures on her Instagram, which will be linked as always. Um, really unique style of illustration and her own sketches. Other people will say, I like that one. Can I get this tattooed? I, yeah, I find it very interesting. So um, her answer to the second question about when did you realize you wanted to become an artist? She said, I don't think I ever really made that decision. It just kind of happened to fall into place. My entire art career has been a complete accident and honestly couldn't be happier about it. Now that I'm a full-time tattooer, I can't imagine doing anything else. There's nothing like going to work every day and looking forward to meeting new people and introducing them to the art that they'll wear for the rest of their lives. So I guess in that respect, when I started tattooing, and that's the same again. Yeah, I think there's a common thread. Yeah. Like most people have answered that they always knew. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think being an artist is one of those things. It sounds so cliche, but it is one that's of those things. That's what we're here for, get it out. That <laughs> you're born to do. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. But I, I'd say as well that that it's not an exclusive club and I think yeah, no, definitely. like when people said about their, f their parents and you're saying your mum's sketching mm -hmm. some people just don't have that that role model for someone who encourages you to practice art in any, yeah. in any way but also um, having a job that just yeah she's set she's got her art as her job and that's kind of yeah. I feel like that's like actualization. she's done it <laughs> that's it <laughs> very impressive um, the next question I wanted to go to is, uh, this relates to what has already come up in people's questions. Um, was there someone in your life especially who encouraged you to do what you do? For example, did someone buy you your first musical instrument or camera or anything like that? Um, I wanted to ask that because it's one of my memories I have of my granddad before he passed away. We went to, I was very young at this point, and um, we went to a, a music shop and we were looking through we were looking through the guitar books and I picked out a couple and before I remember he was going to buy me and my sister some different things which I think she was getting a, a flute and no a penny whistle penny whistle and um so he said I just remember he looked at me before he got them he bought them for us and he said are you sure this is what you want to do like he, yeah you, there's something about the way he said it and the look really impressed on me and I always think about it and so him saying are you sure this is what you want to do kind of made me think yeah it, yeah, I always want to make music and I'm always going to to use this skill um, and he encouraged it too with, with buying those, those books that was it was a Hank Marvin um, tutorial guitar book and I still have it to this day <laughs> Yeah, what about yourself? Yeah, I, I, I actually have a similar story. Um, mm -hmm. My cousin, Diego, he passed away uh, five years ago. And I think um, for me it was 
because he was always like the photographer of the family and I was always the writer and I always like I never really got into like photography as much because I felt like I was invading his thing because right. he was always the one with a big camera and the one taking photos and when he passed away I just said uh, just realized like this is the way I can honor his memory so I started getting like a lot more involved with photography after that yeah. And also, like, he was the one that taught me how to use my first camera. He was right. the one that taught me how to use, like, long exposure and things like that. And to be, like, creative. Because, mm -hmm. you know, like, anybody can really teach you how to use a camera, really. But what he sure. did was more, like, show me how it was a tool for me to create something artistic. Yeah. And I always, like, I always have that very present. And every time I take photos, I'm, I kind of, he's yeah. always, like, there with me when, like, yeah. symbolically. And I think that's, that just gives me, like, a really, like, beautiful relationship with yeah. photography and also my own process of grief. So mm. I really, have, like, he's always, like, the one that I will dedicate my photos to. That's great. It's like you still have someone to talk to. You yeah, still know exactly. how, how yeah, to, yeah. yeah. That's great. So we got responses on this from Almas, Jem, and Ronnie and Sophie. So Almas first. Was there someone in your life especially who encouraged you to do what you do? Perhaps someone who bought your first, first musical instrument. Okay. Um, there are quite a few people in my life um, and that number's building that have been really instrumental with furthering my creative career. One person that I'll always come back to is a guy called Daz, who is now a producer uh, at Beats London or Beats Radio by Apple. Um when I was in university, I visited BBC Radio 1 and 1 Extra and there was this broadcast assistant sitting in the corner and he was an Asian guy. And it was like the first time I'd seen someone who shared the same skin tone as me um, in a media space that I'd seen. Uh, and I asked him, I said, what did you do? You know, like, how did you get here? What is this? And he told me his route and he was like, go to the Roundhouse, which is a historical um, venue in Camden. And um, so like, go there and sign up to all of their young creative schemes. And the next day, I literally did just that. I signed up to every single course. There was website making, TV presenting, acting, anything you could think of. I signed up for it. Um, and I've, that memory to me is... Um, is really key because I saw someone and who looked, you know, like me or I found, like, a really big um, element that I could relate to and that, for me, made it all the more real and his encouragement and reception um, and his receptiveness to me was uh, all the better and it, made, and it made me feel like, or I felt like everything was possible. I have a friend who's doing illustration in Bristol, who I met during my foundation year. I think both me and him really support each other and encourage each other. Um, my tutor also from my foundation was a big supporter of my work. Um, so she was very encouraging and really got me to push my work further than I probably would naturally and to um, really push towards a better outcome than what I'd get otherwise. Um, my grandma is also an artist, so I think I've always been surrounded by sort of creative influences, like from a very young age. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of people that I follow on like Instagram or whatever that are big sort of influences to me. So 
it goes without saying that I've got some really wonderful, really cool friends and people in my life, many of whom are so active with their ideas and are really great conversationalists and, um, and eccentrics, for want of a better word, too. But other than these people and my lovely liberal family, I'd have to say that not just David Bowie and Lou Reed, but Pierre Bourdieu's work, um, primarily Distinction, uh, it deals with the ideas of social versus economic capital, class struggle and uh, relativity to the means of production and all that great stuff that acted as a catalyst for me. That and Colin Wilson's Outsider, which was also so seminal. It was like, this is the stuff that I want to start with and, and this is why I'm going to do it. <laughs> Catch me if you can. And uh, let's have a chat about this. That was Ronnie's and Jem's before, and Sophie also said this. My grandma was always very insistent that I sign and date every single piece that I did as a child. It kind of instilled the idea in me that art has value and meaning. I was brought up around artists and musicians in my family, so there was never a lack of noise or chaos in a house. That's the best recipe for creativity. So, um, where to start? Did you pick anything up that you wanted to I think there's like a thread of like different types of influences. So like, mm. on one side you obviously have family. Um, on the other you can just have like other artists, like artists from the past and people that also influence you in some way. Yeah. And then more like contemporary people like Instagram and all that. And yeah. I think every artist kind of has their own sources. And yeah, I, I can really re relate to those three yeah. things. And we discussed this before about the. I think we're going to do an episode, if it comes to it, on influences and inspiration and how to to manage all that sort of stuff. So we'll we'll go we'll go further with that. But yeah, that's a good point from Jem about all the different different kind of influences. Yeah, but I, I think that the main thing to like emphasize from all these responses is that there's always like someone that pushes you to yeah. start. And you, like I think like everybody, especially when you're growing up and you're like insecure and everything, you you always need a push from someone or something. Yeah. And that push becomes really symbolic later on. Yeah, it's not like self-propelled. You don't yeah. just do it. Yeah the, yeah, the idea comes from somewhere, be it your parents or Instagram. Someone, someone might be our age and see something on Instagram that yeah. makes them start doing art. So, yeah. And two, I wanted to talk about Almas talking about representation and how she saw another person of her same skin colour at Beats yeah. Radio. And, yeah, that's just incredibly important. And something I was thinking about the other day... Um, about this show and whether I'd covered all bases with people and basically I don't I don't know if I have we'll keep we'll keep going um, so the idea is if you have any contribution you want to make then find the show notes for this show if you made it this far then we'll assume that you're interested mm -hmm. so go to the show notes and go to the website and there's a contact with our email and email us saying what you do and we'll yeah. we'll put you on the list and get you contributing so. Yeah. I think it's very important to emphasize, and you already mentioned it before, but like art shouldn't be a, a close group, yeah. a close club. And I think that's also uh, brought up uh, by representation a lot because yeah. obviously in the past it was a close group Yeah, because only people with a certain status could access art and could do art. 
but I think nowadays it's becoming more and more accessible for any for everyone really yeah. and that is a blessing really because then you get to experience a lot of different views and different perspectives and I think it it makes the environment a lot healthier for the for everyone because art is deviated from our own experiences so like the more backgrounds we come from the more yeah things behind us the, the more creative everything will be yeah it's like another part of the world is kind of revealed when people of a certain skin color or sexuality yeah start speaking out and and presenting things in their own way how they experience it yeah yeah incredibly important and yeah, we're glad for everyone that we've got on the contributors list so far, but we'd love more. So, yeah, get in touch. Okay, the fourth question. Who was the first person who bought a piece of art from you? So when I was writing this, I was just thinking of firsts, and one of the big firsts for me was was the first time someone um, downloaded my album on Bandcamp and, and added money to, to it, because I, I used to put everything up for free. And so, of course, well, of course, in my case, my parents um, would support, and I'm very grateful for that, but it's a different thing. So when someone that I didn't know came and they, they I think it's just a quid for a song, and I was like, this is, this is a moment where, where you realize that you can build from it and people will, people do value what you make, and it, yeah, it gives you a clue to on what to keep going with. So, yeah, that was the first piece of art bought from me a song a digital file for one pound and i still remember it so yeah it's a big moment for me as do you have any similar recollection i don't actually think so i know that when i was a child i would always like sell my drawings yeah but it wasn't like people <laughs> offered me to buy them i just liked making money <laughs> so i would just sell my Brilliant. drawings and obviously like my uncles and my aunts yeah. and my grandma would buy them but like it, it was it's a good market just more <laughs> like me being a business person <laughs> yeah um but i think um i don't think i ever really sold any of my art just yet because mm -hmm. i'm not ready to sell it um and i think that's also a big part of of my own journey as an artist and i think it's fair for every artist to define when they want to sell their work and if they want to sell them work yeah. especially with photography because i i think i've been offered a couple times to so for someone to buy prints and mm. stuff but I just I don't know I just don't feel like it I will have an exhibition if yeah. even if you're in Cardiff on the 25th of June go please go to Cons from 6pm to 12 and we'll be, we will be selling prints then so that will be awesome. like the first situation in which I will actually if, if anyone yeah. buys them <laughs> I will actually sell my prints and I'm really happy with that um, yeah, I'm happy that that will be the first situation. In which yeah, I guess when you held off the first time, yeah. you was waiting for a, a proper. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what a place it was that Kongs? Did you yeah, say Kongs, Kongs? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Get yourself down. We'll put a link to that. Of course. Um, okay. So responses to this one. We'll go with Sophie first. She said, "I used to sell digital art online on a dress-up game when I was younger. I would usually sell for in-game currency." but then later for real money. No idea who was my first customer, but it really did teach me a lot about business. So more business stuff coming up. And we got an answer on this from Almas too. Who was the first person who bought some art from me? Oh my gosh. I actually don't know. Um, I'm trying to figure out 
you know, when the first time was maybe that someone hired me for photos or hired me to take video or to video, um, I would say that the first time I felt like it was a proper transaction, do you know what? I wasn't even getting paid, but I managed to get a gig where I was taking photos for Nylon magazine in Dubai at Seoul DXB, which is a hip-hop festival in Dubai. And I remember getting on that plane and being like, what the hell am I doing? (laughs) I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm here on this plane and I'm being sent to take these pictures. Um, And so it wasn't paid, but it was all expenses covered. Um, had the hotel covered and all of that jazz and it that's when I felt like oh my gosh this is real this was a very pivotal moment for me in creating my art I've never sold any artwork I think mainly because the format that I, I've chosen to work with in the past which was mainly sculpture doesn't it's difficult to sell that to sort of people um, really I think more more difficult than say like a painting or whatever um, obviously, because they take up far much more space, uh, or mine tended to. And now that I'm working in 3D, uh, digital 3D work, it's a matter of really setting up a way which I can sort of begin to sell artwork, which I think is obviously going to be important for me going forwards. Okay, so that was Jem talking and Almas before that. Almas's trip sounded super exciting. Imagine <laughs> yeah. being on a plane for your first first paid one yeah yeah (laughs) um well not paid she said so expenses paid but that can be equally exciting i've found so i I feel like almas was describing a kind of taking taking a plunge with it taking that first free trip and um so yeah the first person who valued her work that's a big big step for her and got her to dubai and Sophie, too, talking about business. So that's a, a similar thing coming up that maybe we're just kind of entrepreneurs in our own way. Yeah. Got a bit of hustle. A lot of artists, I think, you kind of have to if you're going to. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And Jem was talking about sculptures and how it's difficult to, to sell in that form. And like you were saying about photography, yeah. it's, there's, there's some places where it's hard to, to monetize. I definitely think that visual art in general I guess sculpture to an extent falls into the same category um, it's difficult to sell just because it's so personal sometimes mm. and I don't know I would have to do the test I don't actually know if, if I like put up in my Instagram like oh guys you wanna yeah. prints I don't know what the response would be I feel like it'd be no just <laughs> because I'm a pessimist in general <laughs> But maybe maybe there are people that actually would like to buy them. I don't know. I'm just scared to do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's tricky to know yeah what to what to give away. And you, the thing is, I found before I've done that before, and I've I've said you can buy anything on prints of my yeah. limited amount of photography that I think was worth doing that with. Um, and a, a few people got prints. Um, I sort of found afterwards, and this is maybe something to talk about on another show, but that once I started realising there was money in it, I started taking pictures of different things. Like, I thought that would look good on someone's wall Mm. as a poster, and that would be a good thing to sell on the print store. So, as with everything, I think that kind of shapes it when someone someone buys the first thing. Yeah. And 
in a way it feels like it's tarnishing the the creative process or whatever mm. maybe that's a, a kind of a fancy way of looking at it and that really you should just follow what people want because who else are you making art for but other people yeah i get what you mean yeah but as i said that you also make art for yourself i realize so it's a tricky balance to make and sometimes it's better to keep work non-purchasable for yeah. that reason yeah i think that as long as it doesn't interfere the creative process is fine like yeah and if i'm honest to myself that's probably why i haven't actually got around selling stuff because i feel like it will interfere with my creative process yeah but eventually i guess i'll be ready to do it eventually and when there's like a good platform to do it like an exhibition yeah, exactly yeah yeah so you need the you need the the apparatus to to figure out how to sell yeah okay so next question what is the first art you bought and i realized this i think this is probably the worst question i wrote on this i so, cuz i no, don't even know I if like i it. remember yeah you okay <laughs> you you might have to bring the substance to this answer then cuz i what was my first i remember the first mp3 file i downloaded was uh, bonkers by dizzy rascal mm-hmm. um and yeah i don't think there's much <laughs> symbolism with that i can add that was that was it that's the first art i bought um i remember i used to keep track of all the mp3s i bought in a notebook i was like write them all down because it was a big thing for me to spend 79p um yeah so yeah what was your answer uh there's this type of artwork in mexico that is very like um i don't even know what how to describe it but they're called alebrijes and it's like small wood uh figurines Mm-hmm. Uh, that they they are from a very specific region in Mexico, Oaxaca, and they they make them. Um, well, first they they make the wood, so, so they're normally like animals, but they can be like fantastic animals, like not really like okay, yeah, real yeah. animals. And then they paint them, but they have a lot of detail, and it, they are very like surrealistic, right. and when I went to Oaxaca one time was really young I think I bought one of those because I really really awesome. liked it um, I, I would say that was the first the, the re- yeah the reason why I like that question is just because it it also I think it, it's very important and we will hear a bit of this mm. in Roni's voice note but it is very important to support other artists and not like just focus on your own art cause yeah I, I just hadn't realized how important it is to, to do things like this and to just collaborate and, and help other artists out because we're all yeah trying to yeah do it, something. So It feels sometimes like kind of economic karma. Yeah. You know, if you when I buy an album it, it's a nice feeling when you when you're able to do that and yeah, I feel that if I buy more art then I place more value on that art and then in turn place more value on what I make which was inspired by that art so it's yeah there's a cycle to it yeah okay so we can hear some more responses on that firstly from Almas do you know what I've been pretty good about buying people's stuff over the years it's been quite hard sometimes because you you want to support your fellow creatives but we're all so creatives and just about making money and 
to be quite honest, when any something's handmade, you know, the price points are, are going to be higher because there's a lot of time and effort and usually they're one-off pieces. I've been freelancing for about eight years now and only now am I properly um, able to afford to buy people's art properly, you know, like not ask for a discount and all that jazz. Um, most recently, though, I bought this gorgeous, gorgeous fruit bowl um, handmade and it looks like the inside of a, of a pomegranate from an artist called Yasmin Falahat. And where her family come from, figs and pomegranates are really part of the cuisine. I believe she's Iranian. Um, and so I, I ordered this massive fruit bowl um, for her to make. So she made it with her hands and then painted it, you know, put it in the kiln and then painted it. And I paid £100 for it and I split the cost over two months so I could afford it and it not break the bank um but it's something that I mean if you told me I was going to be buying a fruit bowl for a hundred quid I'd be like you know (laughs) not believing you but I feel like it's worth every penny and more to be honest um and I'm going to continue to try and buy straight from the artist there's this lady in East Berlin the first time that I went there who was screen printing faint outlines of cats onto these cotton garments. I bought this shirt-like contraption, which I wore to death, um, and it faded in the sun, and the arms fell off, but I later framed the body of it. Before this point, I'd bought a lot of books, a lot of second-hand books, and I was working my way through whatever my vision of the canon was then. Uh, As I still am, the parameters have changed a little bit. But I think this is a good point to say how important it is to prioritise living artists by the works of artists who are alive and well, even if they're not living in Paris, because they're the ones who've got rent and bills to pay uh, and the infinite capacity to create works anew. That was Ronnie, and uh, Sophie had this to say also. Probably some of my friend's work I can't really remember. I can remember getting my first tattoo, though, designed by my friend and tattooed by my friend from school. Pretty special. That's a, that's a big piece of art to get first, a tattoo. Yeah. Have you got any tattoos? No. No? I was being too scared of the pain. Yeah, me too. That's where I'm at. <laughs> one day, one day. I feel like it needs to be a really good idea. I also feel like my dad would just not be happy with yeah. it. And it's not like... <laughs> like I. Yeah, I would rather keep my good relationship with my dad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> then for a bit of ink. Yeah, supporting friends' work. That's the stuff that came up in Almas's Yeah, idea. I think like I hadn't really thought about it before this show. And that's why I'm, like, happy that the show is actually making me think about things I hadn't thought about before. Yeah. I have supported my artist friends uh, as much as I can, like, helping them out. But I never really thought about, like, economically, like, buying stuff. I don't have many friends that buy, like, sell their stuff anyway. But it, it made me really aware that it's probably something I should be doing. It also reminded me that I promised you that I would buy you your album oh, at one yeah. point. And I haven't done it, so I wasn't gonna say I'll anything. do that this <laughs> summer. 
<laughs> this whole show is just a ruse so you can buy my album. Yeah, everything, everything he's doing is to get more listeners it's and clearly. more <laughs> No, but yeah, I remember I promised you that and I haven't done it, so... That's hilarious. Yeah. Okay, no, no, no worries, no worries. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a good point though. Um, me too. can't think of any specific examples, but I know that there people come out with things all the time and I feel like if I was some kind of like rich benefactor I'd be buying all these people's stuff but we're all struggling artists at the moment too well I say we some of the people I know that are at that stage that are selling things it's it's hard to kind of lift off when everyone you're working with is in the same position so if you're not an artist as well it's also really important to buy people's art and like Ronnie said to to by living people's heart specifically. Yeah, yeah I, I like that idea of giving people their flowers while they're here. Because with art, that happens a lot, not just with money, but like renown. People will die without having ever been recognized. I feel like Van Gogh is one of those. I'm not sure. My art history is a bit off. Yeah. yeah. He only sold, I think, two paintings during his life. Yeah. Everybody, they just didn't like his art in general. Two paintings. Sometimes that's like a, quite a reassuring thing. <laughs> you feel like maybe I'm, yeah, I'm doing okay. Yeah, I mean, okay. it's better than nothing. It's better than nothing. No, I mean, I mean, as in, if he only sold two paintings, then oh, yeah, we're yeah, all fine. But yeah, yeah. But <laughs> but you don't know once you've gone anyway. So <laughs> people might love it. Yeah, yeah. Buy people's art while they're still here. Let them know. And yeah, send people feedback. Uh, not feedback specifically but send people your thoughts on what they're making because literally anything is is valued it's something for the the artist to work with unless you're just being mean which some celebrities get but yeah just yeah give people your feedback yeah and put money and be honest because i feel like when people ask for feedback and you know Mm. them there's this assumption like oh i should be nice just because i know them yeah but sometimes it's better to be like a bit brutal and honest because that's where the improvement comes from yeah not from just oh it's really nice you know <laughs> yeah i yeah. it's yeah it's frustrating sometimes and you're like yeah. i know we're friends we've got past that just let it yeah. let loose yeah yeah that's a good point okay um now we'll go to question six which was what was the f- no <laughs> no it wasn't <laughs> it was what was your first finished piece of work and how did it make you feel also so I asked that question, it's, I know it's about finishing, but it's also your first piece of art, so it's a, the beginning of the beginning of you knowing that you're going to finish something, I think, is an important part, and finishing it is a, is a landmark. For me, that would have been, well, I don't know, it, it depends on how big a project it is, but I've I, taken pictures, really. I started when I was younger to treat that as a, artistic thing more than just documenting life basically i my parents used to give me like the family camera on holidays and when they got it back they see that it's full of pictures of like the corners of buildings and like weird reflections and shadows and there were like a few pictures of my sister and my family here and there so i think to me that was my first kind of like artistic project was just family holidays and i'd take pictures of Mm -hmm. what i wanted to and not what anyone else wanted to see. Yeah. And it felt good. In response to the last part of the question, it's, it's a nice feeling finishing something too. I guess with more explicit projects I've made, like Time and Place, 
it's yeah the feeling of finishing and it being ready to to go into the world is it's a tricky moment to pick when something's finished but it really is just a feeling that kind of comes over i i wouldn't know how to explain it yeah did you have some some thoughts yeah i well i didn't want to really talk about my first finished piece of art Mm because again i wouldn't know what that was sure yeah but i wanted to talk about my first the first piece of art that i finished consciously yeah so when um in 2016 uh i went on a trip with my grandparents to morocco and on on december and that was the year my mom passed away so it was obviously like a very like symbolic trip Mm. and very painful too so during that trip uh obviously i took my camera with me and i started taking pictures of morocco and this amazing place that i never really I didn't know much about it, to be honest, yeah. before traveling. And I just started learning as I was there. And I started developing this project when I was there. So I just said, like, well, you know what? Let's just do this. And I started posting some of the photos of yeah. Morocco while I was there. I'm writing captions. And it started very detached, like me trying to adventure towards the genre of photojournalism and me trying to, mm. like, grasp like the culture while writing about it and if you see the series they're all in my instagram it just starts evolving and the whole project took me i'm just looking at it now the first picture i posted it in december yeah when i was there and the last one i posted it in second of january of 2018 okay so that was so I started basically at the end of 2016, beginning of 2017. Ah, okay. Yeah. And I finished in January of 2018. So it was a project that took me... Did you decide it was finished? A whole year. The thing is, because it was through Instagram, and mm. I just like... I never really put a deadline for myself. I just said, I'm going to select the best pictures of Morocco, and I'm just going to publish them with a caption mm. of what I felt when I did yeah. that picture, of what I was feeling. And... It took me a year. Yeah. And I, I just realized like how long it actually was. But when I finished that, I was like, this is probably the best thing I done in terms of writing and photography mm. together. Yeah. And I'm just really proud of that because it's, and you can see like they're very long captions. I, I won't get angry if you don't read all of them, whoever's listening to this. But you can see the the evolution of my own work and my own de-attachment because I started like being very yeah. formal about Morocco and I ended up talking about my mom and her passing. Wow. So yeah. it just became a really personal project and when I f- decided to post that last picture because it took me a long time to actually decide like okay this is going to be the last picture that I post about mm. this. Um, it just felt like I had gone through a whole process of cleansing like personal cleansing yeah and this project literally helped me with deal to deal with her death so i think it's probably my most personal project and the one i'm most pr- proud of and yeah it just felt amazing to finish it <laughs> yeah i bet yeah. i bet that's incredible um the link to that will be in the description of course and i highly recommend it so we're going to go to to the contributors responses we got one from almas for this my first piece of finished work was the first time I 
shot and edited a video piece. Um, I have to say that the feeling doesn't go away. So every time I try something new, that's something so far away from what I think my abilities are, and then I, you know, overcome overcome that fear and that blockage, it feels absolutely exhilarating. And for this, I was in San Diego, well, I was in LA, and um, Lil Sims was performing in San Diego. So I drove three to four hours, I think, in traffic from LA to San Diego. I left at about two or three o'clock, got to San Diego at 7pm, just as the show was about to start. And I was so scared to bring out my camera at the time. I hadn't really filmed before. And then I was like to Eddie, um, Sims's manager, I was like, Eddie, how many songs does Sims have left? And he was like, she's got three. So I ran out of the backstage entrance, ran to the car, grabbed the camera. I didn't know what I was doing, but I just thought, do you know what? It's just like a picture, but moving. <laughs> so just use your settings that you would normally use and just film. So I filmed loads. And the next morning, but I got back home really late, woke up in the morning and just sat in bed. And I was calling all of my friends back in London and going... How do you input footage? How do you do this? How do you cut? What do you do? Ah! But I managed to make a one-minute film of that moment and I was just... The feeling was just out of this world. Just overcoming fear, learning a new skill, like having something to show for it as well, right? We all have ideas in our heads, but being able to actually synthesise and put together your ideas... Um, and then present them to people is a really powerful, powerful tool. Um, so it felt and still feels just, I'm always kind of in awe of myself because I'm like, oh, you've got, you know, a mind and hands and this is what they're making. Like, you're actually amazing. I tend to stop working on projects before they're finished. Um, either I sort of get bored of doing them, I run out of ideas or I sort of stop think I'm going to come back to them but then inevitably forget about them um but this is sort of a thing that I think I'm beginning to improve on so it's a matter of sort of self-discipline and sort of having work also which I'm really interested in finishing which I think now more than ever I'm sort of I'm doing I'm really I'm really much more sort of engaged and excited with my own work than I have been previously and Sophie said my first finished tattoo was pretty terrifying. I didn't really feel anything at the time, but afterwards I just cycled through my head all the mistakes I'd made. I felt pretty sick thinking about it, still do. So that's a, a harrowing tale of someone's first work. I um, hadn't really thought about being a tattoo artist and yeah. realising that if you make mistakes, it really matters. Yeah. Because <laughs> in, in other forms, like, like you can just maybe delete it or correct yeah. it, but a Go tattoo... Go back to the drawing board. That is, that is, yeah, that is harsh. <laughs> yeah, especially if you know the person too, because I feel like mm. that's how a lot of tattoos happen. Someone knows the artist and they do something. Um, yeah, that's that's on you. It'd be forever. interesting to know a follow-up, maybe if she did corrections later on. Or yeah, do you, do you um, I don't, but um, email us, Sophie, if you, <laughs> if you want <laughs> if you to talk want more to about that. you want to share the story. <laughs> yeah, the trauma of, but yeah, that's, that's intense tattooing. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jem was saying about how he doesn't finish stuff always and he has to have something he's interested in finishing. And I found that interesting. You've got to, mm -hmm. you have to think about the ending before you've 
I guess you don't think about the ending before you start, but you have to be aware of this is something I'm going to complete and present to people, mm-hmm. and that's why you'd keep going with it. Yeah, I think I'm the same as Jim, yeah. with the exception of this massive break, which is probably why it took me so long. <laughs> In general, I just leave pieces half completed and I yeah. never finish. And that's one of the things uh, why I really like my degree, because it forces me to actually finish stuff. And even yeah. though I submitted like a creative writing stuff, that I feel like it still could be work. Like I, I could still work on it and improve it, yeah. because I have a deadline mm. and that deadline has a grade. <laughs> I force myself to finish it. Yeah. Which also pushes me further, I think. Yeah, there's a. I remember watching an interview with Brian Eno, the mm-hmm. music producer, and yeah. he was talking about how um, someone asked him, him, when do you know something's finished? And he said when the deadline is tomorrow <laughs> so he's making these soundtracks and they just yeah yeah that's how it goes and i think it's it's good to i always like um put deadlines on my own work even if i've not promised it to anyone else yet i'm like i'm gonna do this yeah by this day um and that always helps and it yeah it doesn't always lead to the best finished product because you might have needed more time but I you, have you always theory. know when you get there that there is no finished art mm-hmm. like I just think that every art just becomes a thing that is reused and re- like change is com- like constantly transitioning and even that applies for people that already passed away like artists like I don't yeah. know the first thing that comes to mind is like I don't know uh, first writer that comes to mind that's that <laughs> Um, uh, James Baldwin yeah okay so I feel like by you if you were to like write something and then quote him then you're transforming I just did yeah exactly (laughs) you're transforming his own art already so it's like it's almost like the the thing he started is not finished it's still being and that's why I love art so much because it's just like yeah constantly evolving and changing so I don't think they're like really finished pieces it's just like pieces that we decide to Share. Yeah. But yeah, we can always come back to them and change them. Yeah. You get to a point when you think I can't add anything more to this and it's for other people to Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I remember when I was making Time and Place, I there were about two weeks when I'd finished all the music and I knew that this was like a completed project. I'd never done that in that to a project that long before. So this is a big thing. But I just kept it for two weeks. I'd like I was like, this is still mine. <laughs> I'm going to keep it for a bit. Yeah. And I would use it, I would listen to it when I was like out on a walk. And it sounds kind of um, arrogant to listen to your own music, but it, it really, you make it for yourself to start with. So that's just how it is. The, you want to listen back to it and you're excited by it still. So yeah. I listened for like two weeks when I was reading, walking, and shared it with a few people. Um, and then... I decided like it needs to come out and other people need it. And since then, yeah, other people have said that they do. Often it's homework that people do um, to the music. But uh, yeah, it, which isn't so creative, but uh, yeah, like you're saying, it's it's shared and it inspires something else. People reuse the ideas in it um, or just the feeling they get from it. I guess that's all you can, all you can wish for really is that people build on what you've what you start so on to the next what is the last project you started 
I wanted to do this one just to keep it fresh for people because all the questions have been like, what's the first thing you did? And everyone's having to dig into their memory. Yeah. Um, the last project is something, and you can hear it on the voice notes, people sound extra excited about what they're making. Have you got a something you want to promote? Um, no, really, because it's not a thing it's not yet. yet. <laughs> it's yeah. the project I've been trying to get um, going for the last year or so. Mm-hmm. It's basically, um, again, writing and photography. Mm-hmm. But I actually want to do it like visual. So like the, the photography and the writing are actually like a visual piece of work together, not like just like writing something and then putting Caption. a photo underneath, you know, okay. or the other way around. No, yeah. it's going to be like the text is going to be embedded into the image and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I want to do it about memory and how the, the process of memory uh, changes when you move from home. So like I moved from Mexico a year and a half. No. How long have I been here? I don't even know. <laughs> Who knows? But yeah, I've been in Cardiff for a while now. So okay. when I moved, I I just started having like, not really flashbacks, but like sometimes I was just walking down the streets of Mexico and hmm. I would just like think of a street, sorry, in the streets of Cardiff. Right, okay. And I yeah. would suddenly like have this image, like very, very real and mm. native image of Mexico. And it was like, what? Like hmm. almost like, really sudden and quick so i want to like explore that and how like through memory you kind of embrace the idea of not being there anymore mm-hmm. but it's really not a thing yet i'll probably be posting it on my instagram anyway so okay. if it ever happens and if it ever comes true so i hope so yeah we got responses again on this one from almas first let me find it yeah here we go The last project I started um, is my next major film that I think I'm going to put out. So I'm going to film it in segments. Um, The last time I did it was over three months. I shot loads of different people. It's a bit different now because I'm freelancing and working full time. So it's, um, yeah, it's quite a challenge to do that and find the time. Um... But I was in Texas and I was um, filming a campaign for Clinique, the makeup brand. And the group and the crew that I was with, we were shooting opposite this barbershop that never opened. And the lights were neon outside and they kept on flickering. And I was like, I want to shoot there. I want to shoot there. So when we finished the main work, we came back in the nighttime. It must have been about nine o'clock, really quiet on this random street. And my friend Tamika, who was the project manager, used to dance. And so I've just got this beautiful footage of her moving and being carried away by this music and the wind and the light. And I've filmed it and I've started an edit, but I haven't finished it. And so my next leisure project that really is a labour of love um, is going to be the next big film that I make. And this is the first bit of that film. The last project I started is a collaboration with um, a friend of mine who's based in Sheffield, um, who makes music. So it's going to be a a sort of a music audio, audio, um, audio visual kind of thing that's going on there. And it's in very early stages, but I think it's going to be quite exciting when it's, uh, it's finished. 
The last project that I started was a podcast, uh, which is currently in its formative stages of production. I've been reading Michel de Citeau's The Practice of Everyday Life, which is a dense piece of French theory. The chapters rang out as such interesting jumping off points for me, things such as walking in the city or reading as an act of poaching or making do. The idea is to meet with a guest, having sent over and read the chapter in question, and uh, just leap off into dialogue from there. Relating it to conversations that we've had, things that we're listening to, everyday instances, what else we're up to. Um, Just taking this dense theory and making it part of an everyday, friendly vernacular that isn't afraid of asking questions. Yeah, I'm seeing it as a space to work things out for young people, for non-established academics, for writers, for artists to exist in a perpetual state of editing and flux without the pressure to ever have to of ever having to come to a conclusion. I mean hit me up, seriously. Send me a DM or an email if you want to join in. <laughs> and Sophie said I started working on a little collaboration with Rosie Foster, a photographer and a friend of mine, drawing directly over her photographs. She photographs women, particularly ones with interesting stories to tell. The project isn't necessarily geared towards an end goal but it could be cool to see how it evolves. Yeah, so loads of answers on that, and loads of really, like, intriguing-sounding projects. Also a lot of unfinished projects. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> I like that. I like... Yeah. Especially in this age of, you know, social media and mm-hmm. just digital... I don't know how to call it, but just, you know, when you're digital... Well, not I think you, I know what you mean. Things have to be posted things are like yeah completed you don't really yeah. have there's the, the the pressure to finish because obviously like before it was like publishing and mm. you, you kind of have to finish the book if you want to publish it yeah but now we have so much freedom in those terms that we don't really have to reach an ending as artists and i really yeah. like that because i'm bad at reaching endings <laughs> as you can tell from yeah. my story before so i'm happy with that <laughs> yeah yeah and everyone's just kind of experimenting yeah exactly around. yeah the gems collaboration with music i'm i'm really excited to see yeah. what that is even i can't even picture <laughs> it so yeah he doesn't give a lot of information does he <laughs> no no but yeah he's, keep, he's keeping us interested so. yeah yeah it's good marketing maybe yeah and ideally we'll be posting all of these projects in the, in the uh, absolutely website too, so yeah i want to talk about how s- some people have ideas quickly and some people have them kind of slowly and they like yeah. set in so Almas was talking about how she just saw like the literally flashing a neon light and she was like, let's film there. And that was a really quick idea. And, yeah. and Ronnie's, I guess, has kind of grown from all of her reading around this author and other authors and that she felt that this podcast is something that would answer a question that, or provide a space, like she says, that isn't filled at the moment. And so... Yeah, there's a weird kind of mixture of those really quick flash ideas and some things where you don't think about it so much, but it's it's been cogitating. I like that word. It just it's been rattling around in your mind until until yeah. it comes out. Um, and collaboration too, Gem talking about collaboration. That's I think something we'll cover on another episode. But yeah, quick and slow ideas and how projects. Yeah, some projects begin consciously, and some of them just. 
materializing. Yeah. I've certainly had that with making things where, with Time and Place, again, I didn't realize I was making it until I got about eight songs done. I thought these all sound the same. So I put them together and it's a project. Um, yeah, so sometimes it just happens like that. Yeah. The next question was, is there another form of art that you'd like to start working in? Um, for myself, there's no obvious answer to this. Um, I don't do so much writing apart from in my own notebooks and just messing around, but that's something I'd try and incorporate more with music to have lyrical pieces or to work with other poets and, mm. and songwriters. So if anyone's interested, hit up the email and I'll see yeah. it. Um, yeah, what about you? Uh, actually, like... I'll send you an email then. Okay, perfect. <laughs> I'm right been, here. <laughs> uh, for the longest time, I've been playing with the idea of doing like poetry and music, but because I literally have no knowledge in music, okay. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not gonna. Do that. <laughs> Just because I write a lot of uh, poems that are like beat, like they have a beat in my mind. Mm. There's never a beat to them because I don't have the ability to make a beat. Okay. <laughs> so that's one form that I've kind of like thought about, but I've never really done anything. Um, so I'll be happy we'll to talk okay yeah. cool <laughs> uh, but also uh, drawing in general I always been mm. really like I always loved drawing I, I've never been really good at it because I I have a very abstract style and I, I cannot draw things that are real right like. yeah but I've been exploring a lot of like just in, in well, using InDesign and Photoshop and stuff like just mm. embedding like drawings into images and I really like that concept too so I've been exploring that a bit yeah. too. Did you get an InDesign through Quench? Was that, did, yeah, was that when you started that's how I got it? into yeah. InDesign, yes. It's a good way to, to open open things up yeah. when yeah, when you're not doing art and you're just doing other things and it gives you like a new medium a new to work perspective, with. Yeah, no. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so we'll go to uh, responses. I'm a bit of um a jack of all trades, I'm not going to lie. Um, I started off writing and then I went into photography and then I went into film. And then since then I've dabbled in presenting and DJing and everything else you can think of. I watercolour paint. Um, I really love, like, uh, I really love expressing myself through different mediums. I don't think actually the medium is important. People get so hung up on, oh, but I thought you were an actor or I thought you were a DJ and now you're doing this. Actually, it's not what people are choosing to do. It's not the medium. It's what they're saying. What message are they actually trying to communicate through all of these different channels, right? Um, when I take on new forms or new mediums of art, it makes my filmmaking so much better. When I started to learn how to edit, it made me a better director because I understood what the piecing together of the footage was like, what that process was like. So it meant that I was overshooting less. It meant that I could really think about the end product when I was, you know, while we were in production. When I learned how to DJ and learned how song and sounds were arranged and to listen out for the different highs, mids, lows, all of that jazz, um, it made me a better editor and it made me approach film through sound which is the one advice piece of advice that I'd give to an editor is don't follow the visuals follow the sound the sound always leads the edit 
Um, and so I'll continue to take on different um, art forms and different creative mediums because that's how we communicate, right? Through loads of different um, avenues. It's, be- it's a beautiful thing. I've started um, working much more in 3D, dig- in, like digital 3D work recently. And I'm starting to take that very much more seriously than I have in the past. So I've always, I've been dabbling in it, in it for about, so probably probably six years at this point, but I was never fully committed to it. And I never took it really that seriously before, but I think now it's a much more serious sort of route of investigation for me. And I hope it's going to work out for me because I really enjoy doing it. And it's something that I can see myself getting better and better at. I've worked with music in the past, so I suppose I have a background in sound, which informs the rhythm of my work and alludes to an alternative way of presenting words. I'll take this opportunity to just say, uh, come to my gig at Chapter Art Centre in Canton, Cardiff, on Sunday the 23rd of June. It's in the theatre. Thank you. Anyway, my interest in music uh, got me into review writing, which I've kept ticking over for quite a long while, and um, I turned it into a job, and I guess it became my first legitimate paid form of writing, uh, and in a way that mimics internalised capitalism. (laughs) It had a spin on validation um, for me, but it was a really great in to honing a craft, especially from a mid-high school age. And Sophie said, Honestly, I just love to continuously learn new skills. I've always been interested in crafting, blacksmithing, jewellery making, pottery and leather work, but I'm just trying to take it one at a time for now. That is an impressive list. Jewellery making, pottery, blacksmithing. (laughs) And yes, same with Almas. She works in loads of different forms and talks about how they all impact each other and there's kind of like an interplay of all the visual editing and audio editing. I really appreciate it because, well in general the support from my family obviously but I remember this one like summer camp that uh, I must have been like nine, ten, I was really really young but uh, my mom signed me up to this like summer camp where we had like different types of art so we did pottery, we did ceramic, we also did like aerial stuff like more like performance stuff oh, theater. Cool, cool, cool. so like it was just like a wide range and I love that that summer was probably like the best summer of yeah. my childhood because I just had access to all these forms of art and I just I didn't know at the time that they were forms of art I just I was just having, just having fun. fun yeah but it, there was no limit it wasn't like you had to choose this one or you had to choose this one it was just yeah. like do whatever you want and I love that yeah <laughs> that's yeah that's the best part when it's just playing yeah. around still yeah, I always have that when 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 you start something new and it's not like it's not your thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, you just get to mess around, and that's the that's the best the best period I think. When I was just messing around with music, that's I still feel like I made some of my best songs. Like the best ideas yeah. were when I was, it was it was fun. So I'm always trying to go back to that feeling yeah. of starting something new and and doing things with other other forms really helps that, and that's why that's why I added the question. In. So next, do you keep this earliest work or do you let it go? And what has changed since you did that? Do you keep your earliest work? Yeah, I actually keep everything. I have a big, big... Um, you were telling me about big, your big hard yeah, drive. Hard drive, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, I like to revisit it just because it makes me feel so much better because I was so bad <laughs> when I started. <laughs> Especially photography, it is a thing that you've got to practice and practice and practice to be good at it. Mm. Um, it's really funny to look at the things I used to take pictures of because like, it was literally like me and my friends and they would model for me, but they were like yeah. really bad photo shoots. <laughs> it is, I think it, I like seeing them on one side because it helps me realize where I have improved but also it makes me realize like the the enthusiasm and passion that I had from the beginning to do it yeah so it makes me feel like almost like tenderness towards the young Louisa not really yeah. knowing what she was doing but really wanting to get it done get it done so it was like pretty cute in a way yeah and I wouldn't throw them away just because of that mm. because I I I think it's part of the process and being able to revisit them is also part of my own growth as an artist. Yeah, yeah, and you see where you've grown. Yeah, and, and it's the same with my writing. My writing was terrible. <laughs> like, yeah. I think I struggle more looking at my writing than my photos right. just because it's just like very cringy. Because <laughs> it's the ideas that you're yeah. explicitly writing down, right? But yeah, I yeah. like to keep it just to inform myself. Really. Yeah, and as well as seeing how you've grown, you might see things like yeah. that was a good idea. And I could do that again, do do it better. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So we'll hear what we'll hear what everyone had to say about that. I do have as uh, going back to the first question when you asked about my notes. Um, I'd like to say that I'm completely organised, but I'm not as organised. Although I have got better, so I do try to keep all of my work where I can and where I remember especially film, I think it's really useful. The reason why I keep um, the work is to refer back to. Um, I often find that my old work inspires new work and informs new work. I also think it's really good to just to see and, and con consider your old work when you're thinking about growth. Um, but I let them go in the sense that, you know, they're out there or they're done, so that's now accomplished. Um, oftentimes I'll make things as taster tapes for future for future projects. There's one minute films that I made maybe like six years ago that I'm now I'm revisiting. And I'm like, oh, do you know what? I've now got the tools to like fully execute and exhaust that thing I was trying to achieve. So really useful for that. Um, yeah. I keep a lot of my own work. I'm kind of a hoarder of it, and I can't really bear to throw it away. I like seeing sort of. Uh, my progression and sort of the changing nature of my work. So changing from uh, the the ways that I draw and the, the styles that I adopt to, um, to yeah. Um, I think uh, technically my skills have drastically improved uh, since the earliest work I've, I've kept hold of. Um, and I think my work now comes from a much more considered and purposeful place. So you could almost say that it comes from um like a personal philosophy or something like that um so yeah i think that's quite an important development for me as an artist to have work that i think speaks of something more than just what i think would look cool and sophie said i used to be so precious about my work but now i don't have any qualms in chucking work i poured over for hours in the recycling sometimes you have to let go of the old to make way for the new it's a pretty brutal way of reflecting work but necessary um, yeah, I, I think I do agree with that. I don't know if I've always got that ruthlessness in me, but 
with music, it's all, well, uh, for me, it's all on digital files. And so it doesn't have the same kind of weight as I imagine, like having sketches all around your room would. Yeah. And that probably helps you to think about it better. And she's given Sophie the right attitude to just chuck things away if they're yeah. not working. I let those project files sit there in my computer, taking up like a few megabytes of space because yeah. I have the space. I think it's important to archive them. Like, I wouldn't disagree with Sophie if, if that's a way she finds happiness. Yeah. That's completely fair. Yeah. But at least, like, I don't know. I just, I just, I just think, I don't think I could be Can give it away. able to do it just because, I don't know. I actually found a whole box of my drawings. Yeah. Like, when I was a child because my mom kept them and it was really like nice to find that because then I also saw like oh well I was literally an artist since I started <laughs> grabbing a pencil yeah but when you were a kid you weren't you weren't saving them yeah that's true so so you've changed your you've changed your attitude that is true in some way but your mom was saving it yeah maybe it's like an adult thing to do to, to I think yeah I, definitely adults are just like so um, we find it difficult to let go of the past, I think. Yeah. Know, we are so conscious about time and time yeah. passing that we're like, oh, no, I cannot throw that away. But I guess Sophie's approach is actually very healthy, too, because it just yeah. helps you focus on whatever you're doing at the moment. And it saves space, too. Yeah. Okay. I'm, <laughs> my mom was telling me about one of her friends who um, she does... Well, she does all kinds of artistic work. I think she's a painter primarily, but she started just... Um, doing these like huge paintings on the pavement outside our house and then it rained the same day Aww. but she was she that she was zen about it she was like this is what it was for and she just let it wash away yeah. so i think about that all the time those because it's a really poetic like a yeah. huge painting i feel like that's that's children do, doing castles in yeah sand, you know like they know that the, exact the, castles in the sand the sea is going to come and just take it all away but they still want to like build them yeah it's a good approach. <laughs> yeah. I think it, it relates to what we were saying before about like playing when you start something new and yeah. it's just playing and you make some really good stuff then because you're not you don't have in mind what the finish is. And yeah. I think that's so yeah, it helps but also it's good to see where you were before. So maybe it's useful if someone else does the cataloging for you, like your mum or <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or the internet. People people can screenshot things and they they might keep it even if you delete it. So yeah, whatever works for you, basically. We're not prescribing ideas here. It's interesting to see how varied that response can be yeah. between artists. Okay, so we come to the end. This is the last question. I think each week I'm going to try and do a last question that relates more to personal life, basically. I'm going to, I'm going to infringe on people's personal life. <laughs> I just I always find this the answer to this question interesting. I ask it to people probably quite a lot. I always find it interesting what people's earliest memory is. Um, for me, it's sitting in uh, a hospital room, and to me, it, the the room is really thin, and it's one. I don't know if that's just a made up feature that my imagination has brought, but sitting in a thin room, there's a huge TV on the wall, and it's playing The Iron Giant, the film because um, I watched that a lot when I was in hospital when I was two apparently and but it might also have been a memory kind of implanted by my parents yeah. telling me I watched this film but I, I watched that film a lot regardless because yeah it, it has a lot of memories of that for me and it's 
yeah, I, d I don't know. There's, there's maybe not much to mine for information there, but with some people, you find their first memories kind of relate to what is significant now in their life, and that's, that's why I wanted to hear what people yeah. say. Did you have one you... you um, could, it's uh, funny because I remember when I was a child holding on to my earliest memory and not wanting to forget it, but right. now I've forgotten it. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> so Damn. I don't really know what my first memory is. <laughs> But I think it's ironic that I used to do that because mm. of my interest towards having a project about memory. And just yeah. it's ironic that I, when I was a child, I was like, I have to remember my first memory. And <laughs> yeah. then I forgot it. Maybe this is so, why you save everything. Keep yeah. it on your hard drive. Yeah, that, that's usually yeah. why I, want, I like <laughs> photography because it's easy to save. You know? <laughs> yeah, small files. Um, but there yeah. is another memory that it might have been the earliest after the one I forgot. <laughs> um <laughs> I was, and again, I don't know if this was a memory that my mom implanted mm. or if I actually remember it because she told me the story after. But I was still, um, I, I wasn't, I don't think I was walking at the time. I was still um, crawling. Yeah. Crawling. Yeah. Crawling. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there was a mirror in front of me, and I, I think like it, it was fascinating because I don't think I ever had seen myself well, before. Yeah. And you remember that moment I, in the mirror? I, I think I do, yeah. Wow. I remember like my hand reaching out towards my own hand because I was like, who is this? That's but, freaky. And I also felt like I knew that it wasn't a person because it looked like flat. Yeah. You know, like, and then I remember touching the surface. Yeah. And, like I, I remember my hand, like my small hand and my <laughs> the reflection of my hand. And then I don't remember anything else, but my mom told me that she, that was the first time she um, told me off like really badly because apparently I was reaching out for the mirror in such a way that it was going to fall on me. Ah. And I think that's just like a very symbolic yeah. image because I was like, on one way, it was like my first, like the first Sen time I consciously saw myself, yeah. but also the first time I could have harmed myself really badly. <laughs> Wow. Because the, 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 it was a mirror that it didn't have a frame, so it would have like actually like right. broke, and I could have really harmed myself. Yeah. So I think, like, and I've been meaning to write about this. I wrote a poem Absolutely. about it, but it wasn't great. But it, it's just such a symbolic image, because it's like it, the first time I became aware of my existence, it was also mm. the first time I, it was like yeah. I put myself in risk. And I just love that concept. And I really hope that is my first memory because this is just really well, a cool If you don't memory. remember anything before it, then it is. Yeah. <laughs> so it's so great it that is. I forgot the first one. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> you got upgraded. Yeah. You just and keep going until you, yeah. until you find one you like. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, okay. So we're, we're going to listen to everyone's responses to that. Um, some of them are short and sweet, but funny. Um, so, yeah, and then we'll close and we'll, we'll end with a little info. This is what Almas said. My earliest memory. I have a collection of memories. One, I would say, was my mum hiding behind, like, a little cabinet. And I was looking for her, and she was playing hide-and-seek. Um, she was meant to be out on a day out or something, and I think she came home early. And I remember that playfulness and, like, seeing her leather boots. My mum was very glamorous and dressed very well, so did all my aunties. Um, and so I have that memory of her, and it really sticks in my mind. And I, al I almost feel like when I'm, if I close my eyes and I'm watching it, 
it feels like I've got like the um the waddle of a toddler you know when you're they're sort of walking side to side um but I remember her, her sitting down on the floor hiding behind the cabinet with her long knee-high um brown leather boots that's my first memory I think uh, my earliest memory is stepping on someone's foot. Yeah, I love that. I really love that one. It's just so short and sweet. Stepping and I love on someone's it. foot. Um, yeah. Yeah, I wonder what more to it there is. It, that could be a foot. microfiction in it itself. It could, yeah. Because it's just like embedding like the whole image of being small. <laughs> yeah. And tapping on someone's foot. Because so, yeah. you're small and you're there. So cute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, and Sophie's answer was third birthday, really cool Pokemon cake, not winning past the parcel. Which is a, a big mixture of emotions. That was another journey we've yeah. gone on there. It's th- I think it is a good prompt for like fiction. Just yeah, what was your first memory? memory. Yeah. And that's why I ask it to people an inordinate amount of times. Okay, so that, that's 10 questions done. That's the first episode of Artwork. Um, at work, Artwork, both of those. I've been Rowan, this has been Louisa. And we, we hope to be back again with another episode. We'll see how this goes. There's, yeah. there's a website we're going to keep building see what comes see if people enjoy this so if you want to collaborate if you want to be heard on mm-hmm. our podcast and if you just want to answer our questions just yeah just let us know get in contact with me or Ronan or just follow the website yeah and yeah if you have any ideas too about things to cover basically because there's we've got a rough sketch of episodes to come with next um we can incorporate some of your ideas so if you have something you want to you want to ask pe- people questions about then send us a question to forward on to our contributors or yeah become a contributor so yeah that's that's it join us join us next time hopefully and check out our website all those things all the links all in the description thanks again to all the contributors of the episode Alma Spadat Gem Doctor Ronnie Pope Sophie Meyer and thanks to you to Express Radio for letting us use the studio Artwork was hosted by Luisa de la Concha Montes and myself, Rowan Lees. Music at the start was by me too. Find more info in the description and on our website, which is artworkatwork.art.blog. I know it's long, you can just follow the link. Thanks for listening. See you next time.